0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Sandy Lin with me. Sandy is the CEO and co-founder of SkillJar. SkillJar provides businesses with an easy and flexible online course platform. Their instructors are using the platform to generate leads, sell courses, and improve customer success. The SkillJar founders were graduates of Techstars, Seattle 2013. Cindy has an MBA from Stanford and two engineering degrees from MIT. Welcome.
1: Thanks, George. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm glad you're here. Uh, Thank you for being here, Cindy. Uh, Before starting SkillJar, you were working for Amazon. What were you doing there?
1: That's correct. I was at Amazon for about four years in the product management function. I started with a team called Fulfillment by Amazon, which is a service for third-party sellers to send an inventory to the Amazon warehouse. So customers can get free Super Saver shipping and Prime benefits. Um, I then switched to start a Product called Amazon Local, which is a local advertising business originally with the daily deals model, but also evolving to cover many aspects of local commerce.
0: So, what was it like working for one of the biggest names in in business, especially you know in in e commerce?
1: I had a really great experience working at Amazon. The company grew so much during the time I was there, and I certainly learned a lot from a company that. Um, is touching so many different parts of technology and e-commerce today. And I think one of the biggest things I learned was from um, Jeff Bezos' philosophy of always be experimenting um, with all kinds of different things. When I I started at Amazon in 2008, a lot of people thought I was crazy because they said Amazon is done, you know, they've already – are an online retailer. There's no innovation left. Um, and now you look today with you know, all the Kindle products, both the e-reader and tablet, um, digital video, um, Amazon Web Services. It's just amazing what the company continues to do.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I, I think – and I don't want this to be an Amazon commercial, but I feel like ever since they started, they were done. You know, the media was was talking about Amazon being done. Yet they continue to surprise the market. So yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Awesome. Um, so have you started or have you tried starting any other businesses before you started SkillJar?
1: Um, not in a serious way as an adult. I mean, as a as a kid, I was always trying to sell something, whether that's leaves that looked very nice that fallen from trees um, to other things. But this is really my first uh, professional startup experience where I'm the founder. I did work at a very small consulting company, about six people um, in the past, but certainly consulting businesses are different than, you know, a technology startup.
0: So so this time I mean you mentioned that since you were you were a kid you've been thinking about you know selling things and maybe even starting a business so so what was how was the timing right this time
1: I think the timing is really for me based on my personal circumstances so I had been at Amazon for about 4 years I had the financial security to take a leap into entrepreneurship and I also was ready to move to a different position um, whether that was internal with a company or external to the company or starting my own it was the right time in my life to make a transition anyway and so what I realized was you know it's there's never going to be a better time than now and I personally believe that um you can find opportunity at any time. And so for me, at least it felt like the right time in my personal life to do it. And um, and that was what made the difference this time.
0: So how did you get the idea for SkillJar?
1: Yeah, so I think like many startups, we've made significant pivots along the way. Um, the most recent, what we're doing now really came from extensive customer development directly but if it's all right I'll go back to the entire yeah
0: I'd like to hear about the pivots like how did you end up with what you have now and what did you start out with
1: yeah so when I left Amazon I didn't have a specific industry or idea in mind and and something that's always interested me personally is online education so I went to MIT why is that I'm just somebody that loves to learn. Um, I went to, when I was at MIT for college, they were just starting with putting uh, class notes and problem sets online for the world to see. And that initiative evolved into the EdX platform. You know, back in 2000, everybody thought it was the most controversial thing ever. And so I've been following what MIT has been doing it for, quite some time and just personally you know i'm somebody that's always really valued education Uh, my family's always really valued education so it's been something that i've been interested in but perhaps not from a professional perspective and then when i when i was starting the company this was when um sites like coursera and khan academy were really exploding and there was a lot of excitement and interest about what the internet could do for education in general. At the same time, the economy was and is still struggling to find um, skilled skilled workers for the where our economy is going more of a knowledge economy, not a manufacturing economy. So I became really interested by this gap between education and employment. Um, the The second thing that was happening was me trying to start a company, I also didn't really know what I was doing. So I actually took a lot of online classes myself about, you know, what how kind to- of
0: classes did you take?
1: Yeah. So one class I took was called one month rails and it is a class that teaches you to code. So I have a technical background and I've written code before, but it's been a really long time and also not with modern web technologies. So I took a class called one month rails that, um, Really brushed up my coding skills, and I took some other kind of startup, how to how to do a startup type classes, what is startup financing, on sites like Udemy and Udacity. And so um, I just thought it was really amazing what was going on. So the first version of Skilljar, um, we had a different name at the time, was actually kind of coming from my own experience of it's actually really hard to find online classes. There's no equivalent of Yelp or Kayak.com yet. There was a ton of just Googling around, asking for recommendations. And so I saw a need from my own experience of having some kind of, you know, meta search engine specifically for the criteria that matter for online classes. And so I, I actually built the first version of that product um, using the <laughs> skills I'd acquired through online learning myself, and
0: so it was like a Yelp for learning online basically.
1: Yeah, correct. We took a little bit more of a kayak.com approach. It was okay. we, we were search engine based more than communities and reviews based, but that was the central idea. We had a database of thousands and thousands of online classes. We classified them into certain categories. Um, we had, you know, how much each costs and what the time was, commitment was. Um, who the instructor was, and that kind of thing. So,
0: um, What was the business model? Did you have a business model at that point, or was this more like an experiment, putting something online?
1: It was an experiment. The intended business model was affiliate um, affiliate marketing and advertising, and we, in fact, did actually implement affiliate tracking on about half of our classes. This actually led to why we pivoted, So, you know, we had a basic site up and running for a few months. We actually had tens of thousands of users, which we had done, you know, literally nothing to acquire. So by some indications, this would seem great. Like we had, you know, users showing up, they really loved what we were doing. Um, The problem was the conversion was really, really poor. And so we had tagged a lot of the classes, not even for the revenue potential, but just to see what the conversion would be. And, um, and it was like, I can't remember right now, it was like 0.5% or something very, very small. So to believe that that could be a huge business, um, you know, could we realistically scale the number of users to tens of millions? And, um, and did we think the kind of conversion funnel was going to work? And ultimately we decided that like, we didn't want to do that.
0: So. so how long did that process take? Now, is this in uh, 2013 still or? Yes. Okay. So
1: we decided to stop doing that in August of 2013. So just over a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I really spent, I think, six months end to end on on that
0: So how difficult was it for you to accept that this is not the way to go? And let's look look elsewhere, look at a pivot.
1: You know, I think it was difficult until I actually started talking to a lot more users. And so we were part of a program called Techstars at that time. We'd just gotten in. One of the things they really emphasize is lean startup development, going out and talking to your users as much as possible. And so we talked to, you know, a hundred different people that were taking online classes and ultimately those conversations, it's what made me realize, you know, these people are very unlikely to pay for anything. And even if they are, um, it's unlikely we can have them pay a significant amount of money and be Profitable as a middleman, and so while it was hard to give up something that we'd been working on, I think it was clear after a lot of interviews that the business model wasn't going to work, and that's really important too. I think a lot of startups there's are are really interested in building amazing products, and there's often like a, a need for that, but being able to not just be profitable but grow it into a venture-backed business, which was our goal. Um, those, those, that might be something very different.
0: Yeah, because uh, you received uh, uh investment in November of 2013. So th- the pivot happened before, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's talk about te- uh, Techstar a little bit, and then maybe at the same time you can talk about how you pivoted. How, what was the process of, uh, of getting into Techstars?
1: So there's an application process and... Um, Techstars is a it's a global network of accelerators, so it's likely that there's um, a program in a city, at least for your American listeners, that's close to them. And typically, it's once a year per city. So in Seattle, where I live, um, the program generally runs August through October. Applications were due, I want to say April or May. So you know, we applied. To the program quite early and it's a typical um, it's a typical application you might expect for a startup. so you know what's your what's your team like what's your what product are you working on what's your progress um, and then there's also a video that you a short video of, of of you kind of talking about why you want to be in the program um, and I think I mean their acceptance rate is quite low but uh they really screen for, um, for team.
0: So, why it, did they, they accept you?
1: Uh, well, you know, I'm always speculating at this point, but I think, you know, my team is very, very strong. So, um, and we had a, a willingness to listen to feedback and try to improve the company. And so, you know, my co founders also came from Amazon. And in terms of at least the raw skills needed to launch a company off the ground, I think that was very attractive as well as the fact that we had all had significant working experience um, in our fields.
0: Was it very important for you to get into Techstars?
1: I think it's been a huge benefit for the company, but if we hadn't gotten in, then we would have found another way as well. So we took the approach of, you know, it doesn't hurt to apply, we'll spend you know 10 hours on the application and video and if we get in great we'll consider that opportunity and if not then we'll continue moving on but at least for me it wasn't you know a deciding factor on either leaving my professional job or starting a company
0: so the pivot that you have talked about earlier did that happen while in TechStars or or outside of it
1: it was while we were in Techstars, so it certainly ramped up the pressure to, to find something else fast.
0: So what kind of pressure did they put on you that kind of changed your thinking or forced you to, uh, to look at the business differently or make that change?
1: Well, I don't think that the Techstars program itself puts any pressure on anyone. The, 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 the key factor in deciding to pivot was their encouragement to actually talk to a lot of your users. Um, in our case, the original product was two-sided marketplace. We knew that the supply of classes would be there. So it was really around um, talking to uh, the the student users of our product and seeing, you know, what problems they were having and what value they might find out of the product. And, and don't get me wrong, like our users really loved what we were doing and were – um, our repeat usage was very high. It's just that we couldn't see the path to a sustainable business model. And for, for me and my team, and we talked about this, that, that, actually, that matters. So there's lots of startups that, you know, intentionally don't go after finding a profitable business model early. Um, we realized that what we were doing wasn't on the path to, um, to having like a good monetization Uh, opportunity and for our team it did matter.
0: Have, Have you considered monetizing the this I mean since you had so many users have you considered monetizing in another way than than affiliate marketing or affiliate revenue?
1: You know we did and that was part of the interview process but so many people we talked to you know they were really only interested in free resources and you know we had ideas like oh we could sell you know tutoring and um we could move more into accredited classes rather than you know kind of this lifelong learning segment but ultimately it just it just didn't feel like a big enough problem that we were solving
0: okay um so when you received the uh, uh, one, one, $1.1 million, I believe, uh, in November of 2013, what kind of change did that uh, create in, within, within uh, SkillJar?
1: So I think actually it's a little bit reversed where, you know, we had made the pivot and significant progress on that. And because of that, we were able to raise the money to accelerate efforts. So let me take you through that. So, when we decided to stop the search engine concept, um, I think it's always, we wanted to stay in the industry because certainly there's a lot of disruption going on with online education right now. And we, when, in the meantime, one of the assets we had built was this database of thousands of online classes. And we did have some data about which ones were being searched for, viewed most frequently, as well as some of the performance on how popular were each of these classes. So we actually just started calling down online instructors, especially the more popular ones, for interviews to see what their problems were. And we really had no idea what they would say and whether we would be able to find an idea out of it. So I think we talked to about 50 online instructors in about two weeks. It was very, very intense. And there were a few themes that emerged, but what really stood out was a lot of people were saying that they needed a better course delivery platform. And they were trying to put together these courses and you know teach people online, but the technology tools were just terrible or didn't exist. And so, um, you know, so we spent some more time validating that idea and um, and then decided to, to go forth and build it.
0: Okay, so let's talk about some of the challenges of, of today. W- what are the biggest challenges you're faced with uh, uh, right now?
1: I think right now, the next phase of the company is really about increasing adoption and growth. So, you know, when I think back over the last year, you know, we spent a lot of time building the initial product because a course delivery platform is not a simple thing to build. There's a lot of different components of it. The first, let's call it three months, we spent just on the, the student side. And we literally had customers sending us files in the mail. So like a thumb drive with you know, video files, worksheets, a document of how they wanted the class assembled, And then I would actually go assemble the class by hand so that we could get them launched and students could start taking the class. So that was the very kind of initial proof of concept. And then we had to spend time building the, you know, self-service tools and reporting um, and adding on additional kind of data integrations and things that have been needed since then. So, So we're kind of over, right now we have, you know, Many customers that are just showing up like signing up using the product um, and did you
0: say 90 Oh I
1: said many, I, said many. <laughs> I won't say the exact number but um, <laughs> but we we're, I think we're over that initial hump of having you know customers find us they really enjoy using the product we just did a net promoter score survey um, our score was 93 which is extremely high so our, our engagement and Customer satisfaction is really high. Um, We get about a half dozen signups per day. I'll say that much. And so that momentum is all very good. At the same time, you know, we're in this to build a very big business. So we need to start thinking about how do we scale that faster um, and, and, uh, and more quickly so that we can be on a path to not just being a sustainable business, but a very big one.
0: So, what are the most effective ways to market your business today?
1: Um, I wish (laughs) I I could have a much better answer for that, you know, six months from
0: now. uh, So, let's talk about that instead of that. Let's talk about how you got some of your first customers.
1: Yeah, so our very first customers, I mean, many of them came from that initial round of interviews we had done. But I'd say our arm's length customers, ones that we had never talked to before or didn't know about when they showed up on our website, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, I think, you know, I've talked to people that said, oh, you know, I asked my development team and they all said SkillJar was the one to use. And then I called their office in New York and they said to use SkillJar. And here I am thinking, like, I don't know any of these people, you know, how have they heard about us? And, um, you know, it's difficult for me to say exactly what's happening, but I think that our customers are very, very happy and kind of referring their friends and so forth. Um,
0: so word of mouth is, is very important right now. I mean, it's always important, but especially in the beginning.
1: Yeah. We also do get some customers from the fact that, you know, every one of our classes that does well, um, Every student that signs up for those classes can see like the Powered by SkillJar logo in our footer. So the more successful that our customers are, um, the more exposure our brand has to a wider audience.
0: So how do you differentiate SkillJar from, from the competition? What do you do better? Uh, what are some of the reasons that the, the few customers that you have now like you so much?
1: So we're one of the few tools that's really geared for external training. And by external training, I mean, um, like, users such as customers and partners that are outside of an employee system. And so, you know, our class of software is called learning management systems. Almost all of them were optimized for HR employee purposes, And so what our customers find really valuable is we've completely optimized for external training, so customer training, partner training. And that means a few things. So it means that we have really fast video delivery around the world. Um, We have an e-commerce platform for people that want to sell training. Uh, We work on tablets and smartphones as well as computers. So being mobile-friendly is really important, too a lot of our customers and then from a data perspective we provide the data that's relevant to um, either customer success or sales and marketing organization um, rather than ones that are geared towards like employee and compliance training.
0: Can you talk about a a mistake that you have made with SkillJar that would serve as a good learning experience perhaps for our audience?
1: Oh, just one? <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe a recent one or maybe one that really stands out.
1: You know, I think one of the mistakes I've made is I should have been thinking about growth sooner, scalable growth sooner. Um, we are very fortunate in that we get a lot of sign-ups just organically. And so I think because we were still really focused on building the product and serving our existing customers very well. I didn't focus soon enough on kind of what paths can we experiment with to grow this into a really big business. Does that make sense like we were I've just started yeah. hiring on the sales and marketing side and I think I should have done it three months ago.
0: Yeah yeah that that uh, that makes sense. Uh, do you have an exit strategy for SkillJar?
1: Not explicitly. Um, you know, we're, we want to build this into a big business on our own. We have gotten acquisition interests before, but that's not necessarily um, my goal at this stage. So realistically, most technology startups do get acquired at some point. Um, So I know that's the most likely outcome, but we're still early. We're just working hard, um, building the business, uh, releasing product, getting more customers, making sure they're satisfied, and going from there.
0: So what is the best advice you have ever received, either in Techstars or working at Amazon or anywhere that helps you in business today?
1: Honestly, I think the best advice is to stay kind of personally healthy, both physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, being a startup founder is hard. There's moments of great happiness. There's moments of great sadness, often in the same day. <laughs> and, and there's times when you're working very, very hard, and um, it's easy to let – Other parts of your life fall by the wayside, whether that's exercise or nutrition or family and friends. And it doesn't actually serve the company very well if its founders are kind of overextended for for long periods of time. So I find that when I'm not functioning my best, then I really need to recenter and take steps to get myself back to where I can actually add the most value to the company which isn't always, you know, working, working harder um, or longer. It's sometimes actually taking a step back and, and taking care of myself from, from a personal perspective.
0: So can you talk a little bit about the roller coaster uh, ride of being an entrepreneur? How do you deal with that? Is that something that has become easier since uh, when you were start when you started? Uh, I know you haven't been doing this for decades, but still you have been doing it for a while because it's so difficult I think for a lot of entrepreneurs so if, if you can give us your insight that would be great
1: yeah I and mean, I, th- I think it is really really hard because for entrepreneurs a lot of our whether it's right or wrong like a lot of the success of the company is tied to our own self-identity. And so, you know, we might sign the biggest contract we've had to date in the morning. And then in the afternoon, you know, there's, you know, some disaster in terms of an existing customer is very unhappy because of something that happened or, um, or in our case, you know, our payroll provider didn't, do something correctly so we're a day late on payroll. Um, today's October 1st, so I have to tell all my employees that we're daily on payroll. So there's a lot of different like ups and downs in any given day and I think um, for me I try to just keep perspective on this is a really fortunate opportunity and you know taking risks is a learning experience and um, and I think that's that's the important thing of like and it's what I tell new hires of that we're here for the journey, like the better the outcome It's important that everybody here like, will feel like they were in something and got satisfaction out of the the journey itself, so I try to tell myself the same thing.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. uh my last question is uh where do you see skill jar in the next uh Twenty-four months, you know, five years, ten years—that's crazy. But just in the next couple of years, and and how do you how do you define success for, for, for SkillJar for the next next two years?
1: So, um, from a customer perspective, that we would have grown to, um, let's call it like eight-digit revenue annual run rate. Um, And having those customers be really satisfied with the product Uh, from a company perspective, hopefully we'll have raised our Series A venture capital round within that timeframe. And of course, the team to kind of still feel excited about the mission and where we're headed.
0: Sounds good, Cindy. I really appreciate you coming on Success Harbor to share uh, your story with SkillJar. How can people find out more about SkillJar or find out more about uh, you?
1: Sure. So um, our website, SkillJar.com, it's spelled exactly how you would expect, S-K-I-L-L-J-A-R.com. And um, they can reach me directly by emailing Sandy at SkillJar.com. S-A-N-D-I at SkillJar.com.
0: Well, thank you, Sandy, and everybody out there, go and check out SkillJar.com. That's S-K-I-L-L-J-A-R.com, and I I wish you uh, much success, and hopefully you can come back maybe next year and talk about how SkillJar is growing.
1: I would love to do that.
0: Thank you, and thanks, for everybody, for listening. Bye.
1: Bye.